Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Lakeside. Uh, We are continuing this week. This is the final week in a series that we've been in talking about connection with one another. And actually, this series is part of a much larger conversation that we've been having about what it means to live what we're calling a well-crafted life with Jesus. And what we mean by this is, what does life look like with Jesus when it's running on all cylinders, when things are going right, when we're growing, when when we're getting shaped, we're in relationship with one another, we're learning how to pray, all of those things. And so uh, we're, this is a, a larger series that we're taking part in. But if you're new, uh, it's, it's not like you just watched the, the latest Avengers movie and you thought, oh, shoot, I wish I would have seen all the other Avengers movies because I don't know what's going on right now. It's not that kind of thing. You can jump in at any time and, and everything will feel good. Uh, you can also, if you're ever curious about what has happened before, you can go to lakesidechurch.com. You can click on the video tab and you can watch any videos of any messages in the past. Or you can go right directly to tv.lakesidechurch.com and you can catch up there. All right? Sound good? Okay, today's uh, message is entitled uh, Connection Killers and Killer Connections. Uh, So we are going to be talking about the ups and downs of connection. Uh, We are going to be talking about uh, the good stuff about relationship and the hard stuff about relationship. And we're going to start by uh, reading in Ecclesiastes. Uh, The book of Ecclesiastes uh, is written by, we think, it's been attributed to King Solomon. But uh, there's some question about that. At, At a bare minimum, we know that the person who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes calls himself the teacher. And if you're a Hebrew scholar then you might know that the word for teacher there is kahilith. And kahilith uh, is more than a teacher. It's like a gatherer of things. So this teacher is somewhat of an artist, a gatherer of stories, a gatherer of, of wise sayings. And the book of Ecclesiastes in scripture is part of what we call wisdom literature. Uh, the book of Proverbs uh, fits in the same category. It's things that are true about life most of the time. It's observations about life, except this is, this is is not chicken soup for the soul. This is word of God, all right? And, and, the, and the word of God has some amazing things that say, uh, say some things that speak to us, to our very heart. And so we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4 today. I'm just going to read this for you here. If you want to follow along too, that's great. The teacher says, again, I looked and I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. They have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. Whoa, what a way to start today, right? I mean, this guy looks around and he says, the world is a mess. We are not looking at people as human beings. They're being oppressed. They're being taken advantage of. And in God's kingdom, in God's economy, every human being is made in the image and likeness of God and has a place in the kingdom of God. And the teacher's looking around. He's saying the world is a mess because people are being taken advantage of. They're not looked at as human and they're held at bay. Man, I'm sure glad that none of that is happening in our world today. And it makes him sick to his stomach, as well it should. And he says, you know what? As a matter of fact, if you're already dead, 
high five. You don't have to see all the stuff that's happening in the world. God's people were made to be in connection with him and connection with one another. And he sees every single one of us, no matter who we are, where we come from, what color we are. He looks at all of us and he says, these are my people. They're stamped with my image. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, everything's gone awry. And he goes on to say this. I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. And this too is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. He looks around and he says, it's a mess because we don't see each other as human. And it's also a mess because those of us who should know better are ignoring one another and we're putting our nose to the grindstone and all we're doing is we're accumulating stuff. And so we've got our hands full. We've got no time for anything else, but we've got both hands full. And he says, better to have just one hand full, to have what you, have what you need to get by and have one hand free, to be in connection with people, to be in connection with God, not to, to bury yourself in, in some cave somewhere with all, all of your trinkets. And it makes him sad. It makes him sick to his stomach when he sees us. And he says, you know what, you guys, it's, it's, it's chasing after the wind. Now, Eugene Peterson, who is a Bible scholar, a translator, uh, he wrote the message translation of, of Scripture. He said when he got to this passage, he, he wanted to translate it different than chasing after the wind because the, the nuance there in the passage is something different. He ended up translating it, spitting into the wind. But in an interview, he said, that's not actually what I wanted to say. I wanted to say something that's kind of like spitting into the wind. And let's just say going potty towards the wind. That's what he wanted to say. It's a mess. It's not wise. And he goes on to say in this passage, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of all enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And if you've been to a wedding recently, maybe you heard that passage, the end of that passage read. But it's not just about marital relationships there. The writer, the teacher, Kahileth, is saying here, the gatherer of wisdom is saying, listen, we can't go this alone. It was not designed this way. God, the creator, designed you and I to be connected to one another. And if you find yourself saying that my religion is between me and God and nobody else, then you've got it wrong. And the end of that is miserable because God made us to be connected to one another. 
our playbook here at Lakeside Church, we have what we call the playbook. It's kind of our rules of the road. It has our mission statement in it and the way we operate around here. It is steeped in connection because we believe that the Bible is constantly telling us this story about connection. It says we glorify God by reaching up to God in worship, reaching out to our neighbors outside the church, and reaching into our neighbors within the church. Hi, neighbors. It's... It's what we do. That is steeped in connection. It's all about connection. Out, in, up. It's all about connection. This, uh, this right here is a gift that I got at Christmas. I know, right? You're telling me. It's gorgeous. It's one of my dream guitars. And, you know, I didn't think I would ever be able to afford this guitar and um and somebody gave it to me as a gift anonymously at christmas two elves showed up here at lakeside said some really nice things about me and gave me this you can see the video online i cried like a little baby <laughs> there's a lot of snot and tears i'm just warning you if you go if you go look at it when i see this guitar I, man I, let me tell you some stories about it uh, it's not just any guitar. It's, it's made in Detroit, represent, and uh, one of my favorite places. And uh, Detroit uh, has a bunch of dilapidated, uh, being demolished, forgotten, neglected buildings, right? But this company goes into those buildings, and it takes wood, and it makes guitars out of this old, abandoned building wood. I mean, this is fantastic. When I look at this guitar, which, by the way, was made in the Cadillac Stamping Factory, the wood here is over 100 years old. I hear these stories. You know, if this guitar could speak, which it it doesn't actually talk to me, just in case you're wondering if those things happen. (laughs) But if it could, it would tell me stories of some tough things. People losing their jobs and... Factories being closed down and, and divorce because there was no money. And it would tell some really horrible stories. And it would tell some stories of hope and redemption. It would tell stories that, of a bright future. It would tell me stories and remind me that God is in the DIY reconstruction refurbishing business. And that's what he wants to do with us, with our relationships, with our connections that have been abandoned and forgotten and that are dilapidated and broken down. We sing a song here uh, called Victors. And in this song, uh, and Josh and I had a an opportunity to write the song in a cabin in Lake Tahoe. So every time we sing the song together, it brings back all those memories for me too and that, that connection. But in the bridge of the song, it says, you know our names, God. You know our names. You've, you've taken our shame. And animating the lifeless is always your aim. New songs and stories pointing to glory and inviting the world to the same. That's what God does. He knows our names. You have an identity. And he animates the lifeless. What does that mean? What, what, what is dead, he, he breathes life into it. 
He's in the reincarnation business. And I don't mean you're going to come back as, as a cow. That's not what I'm saying. When, when Jesus came to earth, when God came to earth in the person of Jesus, God put on a skin suit that we call the incarnation. God became man in the incarnation. And likewise, he wants to take you and I as his people and he wants to incarnate us into the culture and to our relationships around us. He's in the business of making new life and breathing new life into things all the time. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying in the garden. He knows he's about to die for you and I. And he's praying and, and it's, it's the most intense time of his entire life. And he is stressed. And you know what he's praying about? He's praying about you. He's praying about me. He says, God, just like we have this connection and our people have a connection to us, I want them to be connected together. I want there to be unity. And then he has this phrase in his prayer where he says, my life is on display in them. Like I look at this guitar and it tells me a bajillion stories. God's design for you and I is that when people look at us, when people are searching for God, they look at us and they see his life on display in us. And that requires that we have connection with one another. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said that there's a thief who comes to, to kill, to steal, to destroy. The thief is the devil, Satan, Beel's a jerk. Call him whatever you want. He says, that's, that's the business he's in. But I, I'm doing something completely different. I have come that they would have life. And not just life, not just existence, but life. Abundant life, he says. And that's what, that's what he desires for that. I, I want to live that kind of abundant life. And so these, these crafts that we've been, we've been taking a look at, scripture and prayer and generosity and connection and service, these things all matter for us to live an abundant life. And it certainly matters, connection certainly matters for you and I to live abundant life. Okay, but here's our promise. If you come into this place and you have to listen to some, you know, dog and pony show on the stage talking for 30 or 35 minutes about something, they better be honest, right? Don't we all want honesty? So our pledge is to be honest. So here's, here's the honest truth about connection. Oh my gosh, it's hard. And connection costs Connection costs us something. Yeah, so maybe you're, you're hearing what I'm saying, all the stuff I said before this, and you're like, yeah, that sounds really poetic, bearded boy, but, but my, my, life, my life is a mess right now. It's really easy to talk about connection, but I'm, I'm hurting. I, just be honest. I get it. I, I understand. Connection costs time. It costs money. It costs energy. 
I also know that the time and money and energy and whatever else it costs me, I know that a lot of times my, my connections are broken or they're hampered by the fact that I create a world for myself that makes those things even more difficult for me. For instance, time. I look at my calendar sometimes. I go, oh, okay, I'm busy. You folks don't do that because you're perfect. But I look at mine and I go, there's a lot of stuff going on from time to time. And busyness is a connection killer. It really is. And so I create that world for myself sometimes. And then money, that sometimes keeps me from being connected with people. If anybody ever asks you out to dinner, maybe you, if you're married, you have this conversation with your spouse. We do. And it goes something like this. Hey, honey, so-and-so asked us out to dinner. That's fantastic. What night? Okay, we'll put it on the calendar. Um, hey, by the way, when they said they're inviting us to dinner, does that mean that they're paying for it? Or does that mean that we're splitting the bill? Or is it one of those weird situations where 15 people are going to this dinner party, we order the salad, and we all split it 15 ways and end up paying $1,200 for dinner? Like, is it, is it one of those things? And I would love to be at a point in my life, uh, at some point in my life, where money wasn't an issue. Like, if any one of those scenarios happened, that, that it wouldn't be a connection killer for me. But I know that sometimes my own debt and, and choices that I have made over the course of my life have kept me from doing that and have made me worry to the point that I, I can't have the, I, the desired connection that I have with people. So my wife and I are going through Financial Peace University right now. Wow, I didn't expect that. That is fantastic. Yeah, and it's, it's good. Like, we're, we're learning a bunch of stuff. And my wife takes care of the money, and she does, she does a fantastic job. We've had a budget over the years. She, she, she's really stellar at it. But it's given us uh, just more to talk about and some, some focused time to talk about our money. And we would like to be at a spot one day, and we're planning so we can just give it away. I know a guy who lives on 10% of his income and gives away 90%. It's kind of flip-flop for most of us, right? I want to do that. Money's a connection killer sometimes. Energy, that's a connection killer sometimes. You want to go out. You want to be part of a grow group. You want to volunteer at church. You want to even go to church. You want to hang out with people, but you just don't have the energy. Well, if you're like me, maybe there's some habits that you've developed in your life that suck your energy. I had a Facebook memory pop up from three years ago, and it was me at a concert with my son. I was at the Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival, one of my favorite places, just full of hippies on a 700-acre farm. It's like, I feel so at home. <laughs> and in this photo, I'm just going to say I look good. <laughs> like, I was, I was at the height of my, like, the best shape I was ever in. This was three years ago. I know it's hard to imagine. Just, just try. And, and in this particular photo, I had my shirt off, which I promise will not happen today. And I had those, those lines, those muscle lines in my stomach from working out. You know the lines, right? Guys, if you don't know the lines, the ladies definitely know what the lines are that you don't have. And I... I 
I have these lines, and I'm like, oh, what changed? Because I have the lines now, but they, they go this way from my waistband. It's like my circulation is getting cut off. Well, honestly, you know, I mean, true confessions, you might be there with me. I'm a stress eater, you know, and over the last couple of years, I kind of let myself go to pot. And it's an energy is a connection killer. You find yourself wanting to connect with friends and say, I'm so tired. Fatty McButterpants doesn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes we make our own bed. Mm. Here's something else uh, that mirrors uh, money, right, with relationship. You have to budget for connection with people. So like I said, my wife and I are going through our budget right now. When we were kids, when we were, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, we got married at 19, we're putting a budget together. Uh, Oftentimes there was too much month at the end of the money. We didn't know what we were going to do. The bills were piling up. It's like, what are we going to cut? And so we cut all the fun. We, we, oh, you know what? We're just not going to go to the movies, and we're not going to eat out, and we're going to kill the cable bill. Yeah. And it lasts like a month. And then we go, Wah, I got to get out. And we take out the credit card and go on a cruise. <laughs> I, I'm not even making this stuff up. And so we learned early on, we said, you know what? We're going to have to, we, we can't cut that stuff out of our budget. Like those things where we connect, where we're spending time together, that stuff has to be in our budget. We'll go without something else. We have to budget for connection. And you also, we've learned we have to calendar for connection. So my wife and I had a calendar meeting uh, on Friday. We have calendar meetings all the time. We didn't just do it so I could talk about it in the message, so you know. And, and we get together with our calendar and we say, okay, what's, what's it looking like over the next few months? Uh, are we going on vacation? Are we spending time together? Are we having friends over? Oh, that one couple, they said they wanted to, to go wine tasting together. Are we going to put that on the calendar? Or, oh, so-and-so said they were going to have us over our, their house and we keep putting that off. We should make some time available. We have to calendar for connection with one another or it's not going to happen. Now, here's another truth. Uh, connection is super risky. Have you ever felt rejected in a relationship? I have. I was talking with a group of students not too long ago. We were talking about social networking and rejection. And it's, this is not only true for students, it's true for us as adults. Have you ever seen a photo go up on Facebook and it's all your friends are together and they're having such a fantastic time, hashtag minus you. (laughs) And you go, oh, how come I wasn't invited? Did did I miss an email somewhere? So there's that whole awkward, hey, you guys had a good time. I must have missed your phone call. (laughs) It doesn't feel good to be rejected. It's a risk that we take. University of Michigan recently put out a study, and they said that when we're rejected, the same area in our brain that is affected by physical pain is the same area that's affected by rejection. It's a risk that we take when we connect with one another, and God forbid we ever make anybody feel rejected. (laughs) It's horrid. 
Sometimes you might be taken advantage of in a relationship. My wife and I have a, a rental property in, in Michigan still, and it, it's at its downside. But honestly, I, so I take care of the rental and, and all the people. It's my, one of my jobs in our marriage to take care of all the people going in and out and deal with the contracts and everything. And man, I have made some beautiful connections through people renting that place. And also, there's been some tough stuff, but, but some beautiful connections. And one guy, one guy in particular was a friend of mine who rented it for a while. And um, long story short, everything uh, went bad in his life, not because of anything that I did. It was his own personal life. And he broke his contract, and he decided to leave the house. And, uh, and it was really sad for me because I, I had seen this guy uh, put his trust, his faith in Jesus. He became a Jesus follower. I baptized him. We have this fantastic relationship. And when he left that rental house, he loaded up his truck and he loaded it a little bit too high and he didn't judge. He had it parked in the garage when he loaded it up and he drove out of the garage and he ripped the garage door off and it crashed down to the, to the ground. And so I show up at the house the next day to see if everything is okay, and I see this laying on the ground, and I'm like, oh, shucks, oh, golly gee, i got to fix that. That is absolutely not what I said. <laughs> so I call him. I'm like, dude, my garage door is laying in the driveway. Like, you're going to have to fix that. You know that, right? And he didn't call me back. So a couple days go by, and I'm like, Hey, man, uh, you know, I've got grace. Maybe you didn't realize the garage door was lying in the driveway. And he didn't call me back. And I had to get the thing fixed because I had to rent it to somebody else. 700 bucks. And I had saved up some money to do some things special with my family, with my daughter in particular. And I was like, shoot. So I take that money and I fix the garage door. And I call him, I'm like, hey, man, like, I don't want to lay a super guilt trip on you, but I just use like family fun money to fix the garage door. Maybe we could talk about the 700 bucks you owe me. And he didn't call me back. And what happened next, I swear, is only because my wife and I are connected to one another and because we were seeking God together in this situation and because we prayed about it, only because of that, do not polish my halo for this one at all. We said the next call to him is going to be a call where we said we were going to forgive him of the debt. Because the relationship, the connection is paramount. It's what matters. So I called him and I left him a message and I said, buddy, this is the last time I'm going to say anything about money. You don't owe me any. Give me a call back. It's done. Give me a call back. Tell me what's going on. And he didn't call me back. Two months later, I gave him a call, and I left him a message. I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know I love you. I made it a habit to call him every two months for years and say, I just want to say I love you. And one day I'm, I'm driving through downtown Jackson, Michigan, and I see him walking this way up the street. And I think, aha, and I drive my car over here and I park it and I start to walk this way. And he's walking this way and I'm walking this way. And, and when he sees me, his shoulders just start to shake and he, he starts to cry. And I, I think I ran up to him 
And I threw my arms around him and I said, dude, I love you. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't know how to get back into this. I feel so shameful. I said, man, do you know how this thing works? I said, I forgive you. It's done. We'll never talk about it again, but I'll probably tell this story in church one day, just so you know. <laughs> like, it's over. And what happened after that was absolutely beautiful. It was meeting together and dreaming and talking about what God is doing in our lives. And was, was that relationship risky? Yeah, you bet it was. Did it feel good for me to be taken advantage of? No. I mean, I'm not one of those guys who's going to say, you know, but it was all worth it. I wouldn't change a thing. No, I'd actually like my $700. (laughs) Like, that, that would have been cool. But also, I learned about, I learned some new wisdom. I, I grew through it. I was convicted. I learned more about God. I learned more about myself. I learned how to be empathetic. It was totally worth it. Here's another thing that, uh, that a true confession about relationship uh, connection. And this is another thing I've learned in, in money classes over the years. You have to pay yourself first. Otherwise, everything else gets the leftovers. With connections, you have to, you have to pay it first. You have to pay yourself first. What I mean by this, and this is, this is a risk I'm taking here, all right? Here, let, let me give you just an example of how this goes. I have kids. I have an 18-year-old. I have a 24-year-old. I have a 28-year-old. My 28-year-old has three kids of her own. So we've been around kids. U10 soccer will not make a difference on your kid's college application. Your kid might not even go to college. But some of us, if we look at our calendars... If we look at what's happening in our lives, we realize that Junior is running everything. And now, do we want the, we're all friends, right? Can I be honest with, here for a minute, right? I'm not trying to shame anybody. This is, we're all in this together, right? I've lived this. We want the best for our kids. We want the absolute best, but that doesn't mean giving them absolutely everything they want. It just doesn't. I've made a ton of mistakes here. A ton. I was telling this story last night, and a guy comes up to me after, and he's all, okay, dude, did you know that this weekend is like um, uh, soccer tryouts? Did you know that that was going on for some of us? I was like, no, I, I didn't, actually. I've been out of that world for a while. He's like, oh, I'm pretty sure you knew what was going on, right? He's like, my wife and I just had this conversation about how, like, our kids and, and all of the sports and all their extracurricular activities, we have no time for one another and for anybody else. I'm pretty sure you know what's going on, right? I was like, no, dude. I don't. I didn't know that was happening. That is the backhand of the Holy Spirit, my friend. Does it mean we don't love our kids if we say no to them? No. It, it, we can love our kids and say, not yet. We can love our kids and say, this is what's going on with mom and dad's schedule. We can love our kids and, and we should be loving them and teaching them what it means to create space 
and, and to have delayed gratification and to look forward to something and to have to make choices about one thing and not the other thing and how to take a rest. We have to teach them that. Or you know what? They're going to grow up to be just like us. Somebody get that lady some water and a fan, please. <laughs> Jesus had boundaries. Oh, my goodness. People said, Jesus, we're going to go this way. And he said, oh, okay. I didn't know you were in charge. Actually, we're going this way. Jesus, we need you to do this right now. And he was like, actually, no, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to do this thing. Even his own mom came to him sometimes and said, hey, you got to take care of this. And he was like, mom. That's, I mean, that's my translation of what was going on. But that's, that's how he responded. No, Jesus took time for himself. Jesus carved out time for other connections. He said no to things all the time. So here's, th- this is how I approach my day, all right? This is how I make room for connection in my day. This is my daily approach to connection and try it on for size, all right? Uh, every, every day, uh, as often as I can, and sometimes I get a little bit behind and try to catch up, I always, I post on Facebook great things that have happened to me throughout my day and throughout my week. And it only happens because I ask these questions. We're gonna put these up here. Who will I meet today? What new experience will I have today? Who will I encourage today? Who will I pray for today? Who will I have a conversation with today? Who will I say yes to today? I promise you, I do this all the time. And I feel like my, my, my life is magical. I mean, I got stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying when it comes to connections, I, I feel like, I, I, it does feel like abundant life. And I, I want that for, for all my friends. Again, I have holes, I have faults, I have things that are wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I have a corner on the market. I'm just saying that I've tasted it and it tastes good. So what can you say yes to? You might ask yourself that question. Um, I'll give you some ideas. It's not the only, the only things you can do, but here's some things that are happening right now. Monday night, the 30th, tomorrow night. We're doing a thing at Brad's house. Brad and I are hosting it together. It's called Backyard Begin. We're hosting it together, and I'm giving you a personal invitation to be part of this. We're going to talk about the, it's, it's, it's just a one-shot, one-night thing. We're going to talk about the overarching story of God and his people as told in the Bible. We're going to talk about baptism. So especially if you're interested in being baptized, you'll want to be part of that. We're going to hang out. We're going to meet some new people. We're going to yuck it up. It's going to be good. If you want to be part of that, write it on your Connect card today. Just write Backyard Begin, and we'll make sure that we get in touch with you and get you information. And then baptism. There's, there are a lot of you in this room who are saying, you know what? It's time for me to make that step, to take that step of baptism. That, baptism is a huge part of connection. When you are baptized, you say to everybody, I'm aligning myself with Jesus, and also, I'm aligning myself with the people of God, with this family. I want you to all know that I'm a Jesus follower. It's a fantastic way to, to be part of connection. Uh, tonight, Sunday night, uh, there's what's called a football detox, uh, a guys thing that's happening here at the church. Uh, maybe you want to be part of that. I'm going. I don't even like football. There's a Super Bowl or something coming up. I don't know. I don't even know who's playing. Don't tell me. Don't ruin the surprise. I don't want to know. And I don't care. But tonight, there's going to be steak. And there's going to be guys. And it's going to be cool. 
Get part of a grow group. Get together with other people who are studying the word of God and who are learning what it means to live a well-crafted life, who are following Jesus together. I'm part of one. I would love for everybody to, to be part of one. Sometimes those things go bad. Let's be honest. And sometimes they're amazing. But you got to try. Serve somewhere. Guest services right now. Our team who serves coffee and, and hands out Lakeside Life and shakes hands and makes you feel comfortable. They're, they're always looking for people. And right now there's a, a deficit. They're looking for people. I think one of the best ways you can be connected with people is to take a step like that and to serve alongside people. All right, one final thing. Uh, a few years ago, my mom just reminded me of this story the other day. A few years ago, uh, my mom and dad decided they wanted to bring my uncle in uh, to spend some time. My dad's brother, bring him in and spend some time at, at their house. And uh, they picked him up, brought him into the house. Uh, my uncle was in a wheelchair at that time. My uncle is no longer with us. And uh, he was in a wheelchair. My mom... Uh, showing a display of love and affection and, and feeling like probably he hadn't been taken super well care of, wanted to show him some love. And she came up behind him and she rested her hands on his shoulders and she just began to massage his shoulders. And he started to whimper. So my mom thought she was hurting him. She felt bad and she leaned into him. She got close and she said, I didn't mean to hurt you. Are you okay? And he reached back and he, he patted her hand and he said, no, you, you didn't hurt me. He said, I, ju I just can't remember the last time that anybody touched me. That kills me. Yeah, connection is tough, but it is so worth it. We are hardwired for connection. Without connection, the whole recipe goes flat. 